Welcome back to the Wake Up With Glow podcast with me, Glow. Today we're going to be discussing the idea and the practice of passivity. And before we get into what passivity means or how we can identify it within ourselves, I want to start by just reminding you how irrelevant the words that we use to describe whatever it is that we are experiencing are in the greater scheme of things. I want to remind you that I could have equally chosen to call this episode the problem with apathy or the problem with anxiety or the problem with depression It is not the actual word that we are using, but whether or not you connect with how that word embodies the experience that you're going through. And so it is in the description and and the context around this particular topic that I want to be the main focus rather than merely pinpointing whatever word one chooses to use and then making a decision as to whether it applies to them. And I say that because we do have this ingrained tendency to look at words, especially when we're consuming words without video um, in this video age or, or words without added emphasis in another capacity that targets the senses beyond you just interpreting what is meant by the actual words that are there. I want you to grow accustomed to understanding that something doesn't mean anything but the meaning that you extrapolate from that. And so if any podcast episode or video or book or speech or lecture is titled something and it uses a word that you don't identify with yourself, it often tends to discourage people from hearing the message for what it's worth to them. And so I wanted to just point that out at the start of this podcast episode to reinforce the idea that it is about how you connect with the message itself and not with a specific word choice. Because ultimately, we have to put a title for it to go through. We have to label something for it to reach where we are intending for it to reach. But it can reach a lot further if we remain open to what lies beneath the superficiality of word choice. And so here I chose the word passivity because I felt that it would be rather inclusive uh, as opposed to some of the other words that I played around with. And to be passive is to accept what is and to accept what is not in the Uh, awakened spiritual sense of accepting something for what it's worth and, and not burdening oneself where they do not need to be burdened, but rather to be passive around those things that we ought not to be passive about. Those things that are not just within our control, but our moral duty to carry out and, and bring forth into this earthly existence that we've inherited. To be passive is to not resist with your own truth, but rather to lay idly by whatever comes your way. And this becomes most problematic when what we are being passive about stands in gross opposition to our true needs and desires. When we become passive 
about those things that we do genuinely care for and wish to see transpire in our lives, we lose a huge part of what it means to be ourselves. And the passivity often presents itself in a way where we simply just don't have the motivation or the incentive to overcome our own passivity, despite having the deep desire for more, the deep desire for more of ourselves. And so the perhaps most potent statement that I'm going to make in this episode is this. It is that what we do not make happen, we let happen. And you may be asking yourself, well, why is this so bad? Why is it so bad to allow life to happen to us? What if it is unfolding in our favor? What if it is okay to just let it happen and not resist? And that's where it gets a little bit fuzzy in that we are both taught to not resist things, to not resist life. And then on the other side of that, we're also encouraged to go out and and make things happen in the way that they need to. But it is only through your active pursuit in conjunction with not resisting what is unfolding. And what is unfolding is a product of you actively pursuing life. That is what it what is meant by not resisting. It is not laying idle to all of the happenings of the world, but rather partaking in those happenings and not being the block to your own success and to your own fulfillment. Only through our own active pursuit of ourselves can we find what it is that we're looking for. And the moment that you stop participating in the creation of your own life is the same moment that you fade into the creation of someone else's. And perhaps you can identify either in your own life or in someone who you know in their life, you can identify and see the outcome of fading into someone else's plan. Whether that is through your own people-pleasing or someone else's lack of certainty or self-esteem, whatever is the source of allowing yourself to fade into the background, there is a price to pay for doing so. And that price is, is beyond merely living someone else's life. It is a losing of your own. And, and that is felt incredibly deeply as the years of your life continue to go on and you allow this to happen. So where does passivity stem from? It's really important for us to understand where, where does that even come from? Why do we find ourselves in these passive states of existence? And I've broken it down to, to four areas that I think apply to the, the greater section of people who may be listening to this or who this may reach in the future. But, but it, it does include many, many, many ways that it finds itself in our lives and burdening us and keeping us from our fulfillment, but I'm going to limit it to four and hopefully you can extract what you need from these four and and find yourself in one of them or maybe in all of them. And so the first is lack of motivation. When we fall into a rut or what we perceive as a rut and we are lacking motivation, it is a huge signal to us that there is insufficient clarity around what it is that we're doing and why. This is what causes us to have a lack of motivation and then subsequently a lack of discipline in pursuing something that we don't have clarity around. 
the passivity that you experience from a lack of motivation has to be overcome. And I, I'm going to give you my, my two key areas that resolve this passivity. And they're going to apply not just through targeting your lack of motivation, but also targeting every other thing that stems from a lack of motivation. Because many of these negative influences that we come to know and come to even identify with, they tend to have a spiraling out effect. Meaning that when you experience yourself, say, lacking motivation, then you become to identify as someone who lacks discipline. And then you become to identify as someone who is apathetic and not ambitious and perhaps even lazy. And there are all these words, and again, the use of words becomes trivial here. There are all these words that become labels, labels on who you are and how you're doing that really have nothing to do with you and everything to do with each other in in showing you that there is a core need that is being unmet. And so passivity, it does tend to stem from a lack of motivation. It also stems from indecision. Indecision is a paralyzing behavior due to your lack of a definite purpose. When you lack a definite purpose, and again, that goes hand in hand with that lack of motivation, when you, when you don't know what it is you're doing and why it is you're doing it, of course you are going to lack the motivation to do anything else because you do not have an emotional blueprint for why it is important for you to carry on doing whatever it is that you're doing. And indecision goes neatly with that. In if, you, if you find yourself in a period of time, and, and this is seen very often in those who are quite decisive, people who have been leaders in, in community or in the workplace, and all of a sudden hit this, this period of their life where they're, they've suddenly become indecisive. And characterizing themselves as indecisive seems like an out-of-body experience. They, it doesn't make sense because they have all of these, these proof, all of this proof as to why they're a decisive person, but they can't seem to act like one anymore. And this is a product of uh, passivity, entering a state of passivity. And so whether the passivity came before the indecision or the indecision came before the passivity is irrelevant. It's important instead to realize that these are all parts of a state of being that doesn't allow you to flourish into your truth and into implementing your truth to do something productive and meaningful out there in the world and connecting your meaning as a human being to the meaning of the whatever becomes a byproduct of your existence out in the greater world. Passivity, it also stems from two other things that I want to put forward here. And, you know, I sort of categorize lack of motivation and indecision. They, they tend to go together. And these next two also tend to go together in that they are a rather deep, deeply embedded emotional reaction to something. Uh, whereas indecision and a lack of motivation are, in a way, the byproducts of confusion around the self. The next two are something that requires us to go a bit deeper, deeper into who it is that we are to begin with. And so the first one I'll say is harboring grief. 
passivity tends to come from a a place of grief and here i i define grief as unresolved loss or regret when we carry with us some unresolved loss or unresolved regret as to something that transpired in our lives we hold on to these negative emotions we hold on to this destabilizing force whether or not we're trumping it with something else and distracting ourselves with the productivity that we've been able to call forth or uh, a new hobby or a new relationship there is still grief that is being really tucked away in our subconscious a grief that is going to dictate the outcome of your life whether or not you allow it to whether or not you give it permission to it doesn't ask for your permission it simply seeps through every element of your being and your doing because it is something that is left unresolved anything that is unresolved is going to continue to impact you and you know there's a uh, the the great uh statement of time heals all and it it has become apparent uh in in doing the work that time does not in fact heal all what time does is it allows you to bury the hurt that you've experienced it allows you to to bury the pain under all of these layers of things that you are using to target your awareness instead of focusing on the grief itself the pain itself and so just like that statement of time heals all it reveals to us how untrue that in fact is and that you actually have to get to the subconscious core of whatever it is that it is that is hurting you because it will come to color you in a way that is unavoidable no matter whether or not you are convinced of being okay or not you are never okay fully and completely until your subconscious is clear of whatever your pain point is and so the the other one that i'm going to pair with uh harboring grief is existential angst and perhaps you have been dare i say a victim to it uh if we want to use that language but existential angst is i would best describe it as not having quite settled on what the world or what this life means to you to live in a state of existential angst can certainly cause one to become passive in their own life because they do not have a connection between the actions of their daily life and their human existence there is not a, a a true core belief around why it matters to do anything at all and this is perhaps the most difficult thing to break through and as we go through our individual awakenings we we come to we come together in our ability to relate on the fact that every existential crisis is unique to the individual and the time that it takes to both get into it and get out of it if we ever do and and we certainly never quite get out of it it is something that comes to categorize and, and rather characterize your life uh as a person who is deeply invested in what it means to be here existential angst is something that you you will either understand this or you won't uh because you have yet to get into a position where this affects your life in a significant way so 
there are, I promised you some solutions to this passivity, regardless of where it comes from, be it a lack of motivation, indecision, or if you are harboring grief or undergoing existential angst. There are two things that I, you know, two words that I would say are powerful enough and inclusive enough to help you get on a path to correcting for the passivity in your life. Because passivity is sort of a slippery slope in that once you're on the path of passivity, you tend to lose sight of the fact that you're on it and it starts to affect everything, your relationships, uh, your, your work, your personal life. It starts to affect everything in every direction. And the, the danger is that you start to disconnect from passivity as being something foreign and you begin to embody it as just the way that you are. And once you start to accept something as the way that you are, it becomes markedly difficult to then go in and target it and, and correct for it. Because now what you've done is you've created a deep identifying link between you and this this negative attribute that is keeping you from doing the things that you ought to be doing. And so the solution can be broken down into two key categories. And that is perspective on the left side and purpose on the right. If you want to split a page down the middle and take some notes, then I encourage you to do that. But let's start with perspective. When we think about uh, how we see ourselves and how we see the world, if you think about it, which I'm sure you do, uh, it is incredibly important that you both know how you perceive yourself in the world and that you are able to differentiate between your true perception and the perception that has been given to you. Perspective requires a deep dive into how you see yourself, the world, the people in your life. And it's, it's a, a matter of you making personal sense as the soul that you are of life and your place in it. You have to know what you think about things by questioning what you think you know. And you do this because you want to shed this all of these conditioned impressions that have become so deeply embedded into the subconscious mind. And you want to ask yourself, what do you perceive as the human that you are? What is it that I perceive? Not what you want to perceive, but what do you perceive? And this isn't an easy task. This is something that can only be done and done effectively when you've reached a particular point in your life where this even makes sense to you. Maybe this this process and, and this workup doesn't even make sense to you yet. And so it, it requires truly uh, timely positioning in your spiritual development, in your, in your journey uh, for you to effectively delve into your own perspective on self and the world. And on the right-hand side, we have purpose. And I describe purpose as knowing your place and not to state knowing your place in a diminishing way as in stay where you are, don't aim for something higher, but rather knowing your place in this great big world, examining your talents and and the ease with which certain of your talents come to you, understanding what your specific individual soul has been gifted 
and trying to find a way to take advantage of that gift. That is where many people err, is that they, they might know what they're good at, but they never take it seriously enough to apply it into the lifestyle that they're going to lead, to apply it as a tool for perhaps growing their income or perhaps building the foundation for their future family or for their relationships. Uh, they don't use that as the centerpiece of everything that they're doing. Rather, they leave those talents as hobbies or points of validation on the sidelines of everything else that it is that they are doing. You want to know your place. Know you how you have and haven't used your talents to create meaning in your life. Any meaning that is missing from your life is generally tied to some innate ability of yours that you are not putting into play. So discovering that, through a writing practice, through a confrontation of self-practice, is, is how you get to that meaning. And it, and it can take quite a while. It can take as long as it needs to. But getting on the path and asking the questions, I'll be honest with you, the, the area where most people deter themselves most is in expecting the work to work quickly. And it's just not how it goes. And, and of course, in our society where we're viewing everyone, uh, you know, at the speed of light, these updates on everyone and what they're doing, not to mention that there's, there's immense fabrication in what it is that we're seeing. But with, with that aside, we have an expectation that we should be comparable to someone else. We should be able to put side by side us and someone else because we are human and they are human. And there are all these expectations of where we should be in relation to, to what, where someone else is. And that is actually going completely against knowing your place. It goes completely against your purpose because what that does is it compares your soul to someone else's. And that is an impossibility. That is a spiritual impossibility to put two souls side by side and evaluate which one is above and below and, and where, where one needs to catch up to the other. It is a truly impossible feat. So examine what you deem meaningful in life and, and how you, the soul, can exhibit this meaning or how you have the potential to exhibit this meaning. Um, and, and this will bring you closer to overcoming the passivity overcoming whether it's a phase of passivity maybe it's become your identity or maybe it's just a behavior that you're still battling with but no matter how deep into passivity you are you're you're here and you're listening because you don't wish to be this way because you know that it is a hindrance to your fulfillment and so dig into perspective and purpose write these things down and really just go into discovering what is true of you I want to note how passivity affects our relationships because I did mention that it can influence how we relate to others and some of the ways in which it does that you can uh, benefit from identifying in your life and, and maybe when you identify these it will actually clue you into the fact that you are living a passive lifestyle despite knowing prior to this that you are. Um, you know, passivity, it, it causes one to be detached and unable to connect deeply despite the desire to. So ask yourself, do you see that in yourself? 
Do you feel detached and unable to connect to other people despite really wanting to? And this could be in the context of a, an intimate relationship or it can be in the context of work relationships or with strangers that you meet. Are you detached and unable to connect deeply? Uh, you know, passivity also affects our relationships by leading us to feel unseen due to an inability to outwardly connect. Um, or perhaps explain effectively what one is going through. It's quite the destabilizing force. And if you're a communicative type, you are as prone to this as someone who doesn't communicate perhaps as openly or effectively. You still harbor these feelings of being unseen because you just, you simply can't connect as you once did. Um, and it, it becomes quite troubling to your psyche because you want, you want to see other people show up in this space with you, in the space of your personal truth, but you just, you can't seem to get into a position where you can allow that to take place. Also, placing other people's needs ahead of one's own and, and creating a pattern of people-pleasing and self-neglect. This is all a part of how passivity affects our relationships with ourselves and with other people. To constantly put yourself second or third or fourth, it creates, again, an identity around you not being the priority in your own life. And, you know, once you live in that position of self-neglect long enough, you both start to embrace it and subsequently you stop fighting to get out of that position and that's a danger that we want to avoid that's what we're trying to resolve as early as possible um, and overcome the passivity so we don't find ourselves in a position where we no longer recognize its presence so in order to identify your own passivity there are some things that you can do um, in emotional response um, you know Passivity is an emotional response, right? It, it dampens your creativity and self-expression. And if you're able to recognize uh, these behaviors, if, you know, certainly you know yourself better than anyone else, despite your um, perhaps acknowledgement of who it is that you are uh, at the core, you will identify, or you can right now identify if if your creativity is not what it once was. If you are experiencing fuzziness uh, of thought or just a lack of clarity, if you can't perhaps put your best foot forward the way that you know you can because you have done it before. Um, another way to identify that passivity within you is, are you holding on to any negative feelings uh, that maybe pass through you and, and generate your own discomfort and misfortune. So I want to take a second to really get into this. Uh, if you feel, and, and maybe you're not aware yet that you are contributing to your own misfortune, or perhaps you are, I want you to consider for a moment all of the negative feelings that you feel throughout the day. And it's been a really powerful practice in my life and, and for many others to, whenever you experience a negative feeling, to write that down, no matter how brief it is, however you need to categorize it, maybe you can't really string the words together, but whatever comes out, what is the negative feeling you feel? And you can go back and, and do the second part later, which is to say, why did I feel this? Or, or what prompted me to feel this negative feeling? Um, because what, what tends to happen is we, we hold on to these negative feelings, we embrace them as our own, 
And they do, in fact, generate our own discontent. And it becomes this cyclical process of associating with negativity and identifying it as a part of ourselves. And so it it somehow doesn't seem as negative anymore because we've embraced it. So do you feel like you're your own roadblock? That would be my first question to self. And does life feel like it's happening to you? These are often the telltale signs of passivity for one who does not know uh, whether they are being passive in their life. Because it is a truly fine line between passivity and laziness, passivity and apathy. Like we said in the opening of this episode, these are all words that we use and, and associate all of these emotional responses to. Um, but if we really think about it, it comes down to, does life feel like it's happening to you? Because if it does, then more likely than not, you are in a passive state of existence. And, you know, passivity, the danger of passivity, the additional danger to add to all the other dangers that we've so far covered, is that it can be viewed as selected sadness. And that appears quite sad in itself. Why would one select to be sad? And I want to give you the reference of, you know, depressed individuals have been shown uh, to regulate their emotions by way of these maladaptive strategies that reinforce their own depression. And one would, would pose the question, well, well, why would we ever want to reinforce anything that's hurting us? And, you know, passivity, it functions similarly. Our inner conflict leads us to believe ourselves unworthy of playing an active role in, in some future success that feels distant and foreign. And so we reinforce behaviors that then sabotage any chance of us taking a leading role to oppose that narrative. We want to maintain the narrative that we know to be true of us in the moment. So why would anyone select for sadness? The question remains, why would anyone subscribe to this unhappiness addiction? And there are a couple of reasons. Uh, For starters, deep-seated insecurities that make one feel undeserving of happiness. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe there are some deep-seated insecurities that, you know, on a very deep level make you believe that you don't deserve what it is that you're after. Another reason is maybe you are quite comfortable and used to being sad. Maybe sadness has been your narrative or your environment or your experience. And now that comfortable environment that is your known is the only thing that you select for because it's, it is what you know and what you know how to navigate. Another reason is also guilt. Maybe you have a lot of guilt due to some past event that... Um, you know, causes you to punish yourself perpetually. Guilt is an incredibly powerful force. And just like the harboring of grief that we discussed, guilt too can live deeply on your subconscious. And you may feel like you have let something go that you no longer feel guilty for having done something that you've rationalized your way out of it. And yet it still leaves its imprint on your life. And, and you can only see that by really examining how you behave and, and the outcomes of those behaviors and then tying it back retrospectively to that moment where that guilt was initiated. 
Another yet reason is viewing discontent as an effective tool to keep working harder, uh, to not settle, if you will. And I remember this used to be uh, something that I've used um, in the past uh, when reflecting on strategies of the mind that I used to use in order to maintain momentum and work ethic and discipline when, when I felt I was peaking in my performance, uh, something that I would do is I, I would actually reinforce discontent. I, I would tell myself and bring myself as far down to earth as I possibly could because I was afraid that if I allowed myself to revel in the upward mobility that I was experiencing, that it would cause me to cease working at anything at all. And it, it's, it seems like a logical strategy, but it's actually quite detrimental to the psyche because that discontent uh, is something that you become, again, quite accustomed to and identify with. And thus it becomes this perpetual cycle of constantly selecting for sadness, selecting for discontent, and leads to this unhappiness addiction. This is why you see so many people who seem to have and do so much seem so unhappy, one of the reasons at least, right? Um, it is quite difficult to break through that cycle once you're deep in it. And, you know, the last reason I'll mention is carrying the weight of the world, and I certainly know that I have been burdened by this in the past and, and sometimes continue to be, and, and perhaps you can relate, carrying the weight of the world uh, to feel that it is your obligation to stay rooted in reality and to view reality as suffering. So that is the tie-in here, is that you want to see the world as it is. You don't want to revel in your own abundance, but to actually relate to what is going on beyond yourself, on the ground, that we call earth. And so feeling really burdened by your portrayal of reality as suffering itself. And so I, I tell you uh, these ways that individuals select for sadness because I want you to potentially find what your way is if you revel in your own sadness, if you perpetuate a cycle of unhappiness, addiction. And it is truly so powerful when you're able to pinpoint what it is that you're doing. That is what I perceive in my own life as the aha moments. Uh, that, that the clarity that comes from putting understanding around what it is that you do and, and how you are is the, the jumping off point for any work that is yours to do. But it always requires you seeing yourself first. Um, it becomes really uh, passivity is, is part of this cycle of psychic masochism that so many of us live in. And whether we know it or we don't, we can certainly stand to identify it within ourselves uh, by coming clean and, and really confronting what is going on and, and what our behavior says about us. So with that, I hope that you have written at least a few notes um, on what it is that passivity is and, and how it shows up. And hopefully you have made some kind of link towards any passivity in your own life and the way that it affects you and the risk that you endure by remaining tied to the passivity rather than doing the work to unravel it at the source and move past it.
So if you found value in that, I highly suggest that you ask yourself some of the questions that I've posed in this episode and you send them along. You send them along to someone else who maybe you have observed as being trapped in their own life and not being able to break through and and perhaps not having the language to describe what it is that they're stuck in to begin with. So with that, I leave you all and I wish you so much success with this aspect of the work. One of many, many aspects that we will continue to meet here and work on together. And as always, I am here with and for you always. Please do take a moment to subscribe to the podcast if you aren't yet subscribed and to leave a review with your thoughts on what it is that has been changed in your line of thought or what it has done for you to hear these outlines and these suggestions for altering the way you perceive yourself and the way that you perceive the world. I love you guys so much and I will meet you back here next week for a new episode of Wake Up With Glow.